0: Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala الذين ladinas أما بعد baad. بالله من الشيطان الرجيم rajim. الله الرحمن الرحيم يسألونك عن الروح قل الروح من min amri rabbi. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil عما amma yasifun. على المرسلين ala لله رب العالمين اللهم صل ala سيدنا محمد وعلى ala سيدنا ala 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 Allahumma salli Ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa Barako Allahumma salli Ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa, barik wa Yesterday we discussed how our success in Deen, specifically but broadly speaking, our success in general in life, it lies in our ability to ignite within our souls a passion for Deen. And if that passion is ignited, then we succeed. We succeed in this life, and we succeed in guiding other people as well. And so we used an analogy, and that was that of a fire, which requires three essential components in order for it to be sustained. The first being fuel, the second being heat, and the third being oxygen. And when a spark is lit, it allows, when these three come together, it causes a fire. And that fire essentially grows and grows. And eventually, once it's solid enough or firm enough, then it begins to spread. And we use this analogy in deen. You know, the spark we mentioned is like our iman. You can think about it almost like uh, if you have a fireplace or even a stovetop, there's often a pilot. And that pilot, it's a very small flame It doesn't do much harm at all It can't do any harm, nor can it really benefit uh, It's just, it's there It can get blown out in the winter time. sometimes Sorry, the summer when it's not used for extended periods of time That spark blows out But it's there, and it's, it's, uh, it, it can be that source And that's really what our Iman is Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala put this tiny little pilot in our heart And it's always there Anyone that believes in Allah And believes in the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam They have this tiny little flame that's always, you know, constantly burning it's not ignited, there's no passion for deen per se, because there's no fire within the heart or within the soul, but it's there, it's there. The meaning, the potential is there for that heart to catch fire and spread, and spread for the betterment of that individual. So it's possible, it's always possible, and that spark is our iman. Then you have the fuel, which is our hearts. That heart is that, uh, you could say, uh, that is the fuel by which the fire can, can, take, can, uh, can take its hold, uh, we talked about heat, now heat could be many sources, but in particular heat being from Ramadan because the meaning of Ramadan derives from intense heat. So now you have that spark, which is our Iman. You have the fuel for that fire to develop and that's our heart. You have the intense heat of Ramadan, which is, which is basically heating in that heart so that it becomes moldable and pliable and so it can catch uh, fire. And the only thing that then remains is oxygen. Right? And the oxygen basically meaning that uh, it's a gas in the case of fire, but in the case of our deen or in the case of our hearts and our souls, uh, it's a multitude of things that, uh, that essentially causes that fire to start and then it sustains it. Now, we mentioned that over the course of the next several days, we would talk about what the, what the oxygen for the soul really is. What is it that's allowing it to ignite that flame? And what is it that's causing it to sustain itself, right? And there's many, many things that we're going to talk about. Be it Quran, be it Salah, be it coming to the masjid. All of these things serve as oxygen for the soul. But before we even get into that discussion, we first must understand what the soul is. Before we get into that discussion, we first must understand what the soul is. So we're going to have a bit of an academic discussion tonight So that we can better understand it Because if you understand the principles that we covered tonight It'll make the rest of the uh, discussion and the rest of the conversations over the next week or so Much more palatable Okay, so what, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us? Let's understand that first Recognize we think of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of us as being just one we are a body, I'm here, I'm present right now what you see is exactly what Allah Ta'ala created and that's partly true but the reality is that Allah Ta'ala created us of two parts and that is the body and that is the soul and this is accepted by the majority if not all of the Jumhur ulama that Allah Ta'ala created us from a body and He created us from a soul and these two things are distinct from one another now about the soul we know very little we know a lot about the body Right? You can ask any, uh, any, any physician. They can give you all these details about the body, about how it comes to life, you know, how it starts off with just one cell and then two cells and four cells, and then it grows into an embryo, and then it, and it, uh, through nourishment, it basically grows and a uh, fetus develops after the fetus and it becomes born, and then it ages over the course of decades, and eventually then it loses some of that energy and it passes away, and then the, bowl, the, the body uh, passes, passes away. We know a lot of detail about the body. There's still a lot to learn, but we know a lot. But when it comes to the soul, we know a little. We know little. And the reason I'm saying we know little isn't just because of my own knowledge of the soul, but because Allah Ta'ala specifically mentioned this in the Quran. So the Sahaba asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, You know, they ask you about the ruh, the spirit, the soul. So Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, ruhu min amri Rabbi." The Prophet is told by Allah Taala to say, "Tell them that the soul, the ruh, the ruh is from the command of Allah Taala, from my Lord, the command of my Lord, min amri Rabbi." And and uh, we know very little about it. Oh, sorry. Let's put it this way: you've only been given but a little bit of knowledge about the soul. We don't know everything about the soul, but what we know is just a, is just a piece of the pie. Now, what do we know about the soul? It, come, it, da- it predates the body, we know that. So the body comes into play at what point? When we're in the womb of our mother. That's the first time that our body comes together. It's two drops of fluid from uh, man and woman come together, genetic material then uh, uh, interchanges, and then you develop a couple of cells, and that's when the body begins. And then it develops. And the body deteriorates when? When we go into our grave. But the soul predates the body. And this comes in the Quran. Allah Ta'ala says, in Surah Al-A'raf, وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمَ مِنْ ضُهُورِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ There is a time when... وإذ أخذ ربك من بني آدم من ظهورهم ذريتهم from the from the from behind Adam عليه salam, Allah subhanahu wa taala from the children of Adam عليه salam Allah subhanahu wa taala sort of lined us up soul by soul by soul by soul We were taken and this happened before before existence you can say before this world actually started we were, all were standing behind Adam wa السلام uh, وأشهدهم على أنفسهم أليس بربكم and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was present and he asked all of the souls that lined up before our father adam as salam asked all of us Alestu bi rabbikum that am i not your lord am i not your lord now at that time there was no body it was we were all there and some scholars call this alamul arwah this is the uh, the world of spirits or souls you can say this is before the bodies that even came into existence and so it was asked of every single soul, Alastu bi rabbikum, who is your Lord? Or am I not your Lord? Allah ta'ala asked. And then everybody responded, qalu bala. But of course. Meaning all of the souls responded to Allah ta'ala that yes, of course you are our Lord. Right? Now, in this world, let's say a select few people accept it. One third of the world's population accept it. But back then, Every single human being that ever would come into existence accepted in their form of them in the form of the soul, accepted that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was a Lord and there was no debate on that day. Everyone answered the same. That we witness that we're making this statement today, lest that on the day of judgment we forget. Right? Lest that we forget that this that we actually said this. And that's that's what's, that's what's amazing about this interaction. So all of us stood, and that was at the time when we were just souls. There was no physical body at the time. Eventually, as we ent- uh, entered into this world, a soul was breathed into us. Our soul was breathed into us. And there's a little bit of debate, but it occurs during- while the fetus is still in the womb of the mother. The soul actually enters into that fetus. And then after that, you enter into this world. Now, at that point, the body and soul then live together. Right? So the body becomes the vehicle for the soul. And eventually, it lives on for however long the soul will be in this world. It could be a matter of two months, right? We see infants passing away in a matter of a month or two. It could be 60 years. And then what happens is the angel of death comes, and it removes the soul, and the body and soul again part ways. And then the story continues. But the point being that these are two distinct entities, and the soul predates the body. The body came after, and the body serves as a vehicle. Now... It's important for us to understand this because the body is simply a vehicle for our soul. It's not the focal point of our life. Yet we've made our bodies a focal point of our life. Not just we, meaning us here in this gathering. We as human beings have made our bodies a focal point in our life. How good do we look? What does my hair look like? If I comb it this way one day, you know, what will people think of me? Look at the clothes that I wear. Look at the cars that I drive." What are those things that sustain the body? The things that sustain the body are things that come from this world. So food, clothing, and shelter. namely Food, clothing, and shelter. These are the things that sustain the body. But that's all they do. They don't sustain the soul. The things of this world sustain the body. The things that come from this world. So food comes from this world. It's not heavenly, it comes directly from this world, from the ground, from trees, from animals. Right? Shelter comes directly from this world, it's not heavenly. It comes from wood, which comes from the ground. It comes from brick, which comes from the ground. It comes from mud, which comes from the ground. And uh, clothing it comes from this world. It's not heavenly. Clothing just doesn't appear out of thin air. It's not heavenly. It comes from things of this world, whether it be wool or cotton, it's grown, or it comes from animals. So. The things that sustain the body are different than the things that sustain the soul. And we've missed out, our understanding of this is lacking. We think that if we focus on our bodies, we will succeed, when in reality, our focal point should be our souls. And so, the people that succeed, that that people that focus in on their bodies and think that by sustaining my body, I'm going to succeed in this world, will always end up being doomed for failure. This is why people that amass millions and millions of dollars are not happy. And they have perhaps the highest suicide rates. This is why people that focus on their body, thinking that if I, you know, look like this supermodel, then one day I'll be satisfied and content in my, in my life. But it won't be because what they're doing is giving attention to their body. But in reality, the soul is what needed attention, not the body. So we have to understand this, that the soul is distinct from the body. The soul receives its sustenance from things that are different in the body. The body receives sustenance from things that are different than the soul. And we have to keep in mind that the soul is, uh, the soul predates the body, and it should be a focal point in the life of a believer. What are those things that can attract, sorry, what are those things that can grow my soul? What are those things that can sustain my soul? And it isn't going to be the same as the body. Okay, so now that we've introduced that principle, I'm going to highlight three points about the soul that everyone should understand and once we understand that inshallah we go into discussions over the next several days what are those three points the first point is that the sustenance for the soul comes from heavenly sources the sustenance for the soul comes from heavenly sources while created sources sustain the body Created sources sustain the body, but heavenly sources sustain the soul. So what is a heavenly source? It's something that cannot be directly derived or attained from this world. Okay? So basically, anything heavenly can benefit the soul. So that's the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. It's not something tangible. You can't grow it on a tree. You can't, uh, you know, pick it up at the store. You can't uh, store it in your bank account. It doesn't work that way. The dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is heavenly. And that is what grows the soul. Okay, what else? The Qur'an, it's a type of nur. Going back to the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, how do we know it grows the soul? Because Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, amanu Ala That only in the remembrance of Allah, the dhikr of Allah specifically is mentioned here, does, do the hearts, which is the crux of the soul, that's the only place that it finds contentment. That's where sustenance comes from. Okay, so the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, it's heavenly, sustains the soul. Qur'an, it's heavenly, it sustains the soul. It's a source of nur that replenishes the heart and it enlightens the soul. So Qur'an is a source of support and sustenance for the soul. Okay, good company. Good company is not something that's tangible, right? Human beings, physical bodies, we see each other. But the company of righteous, the company of... of, uh, people of piety. This is not something that's very tangible. It's heavenly. It's heavenly. The the company of the Prophet it's a heavenly concept that is only accepted by us. It's what grows the soul. Those things that grow the body come from this world and they have no effect on the soul. Meaning, I can't tell myself that I'm going to purchase $600 worth of clothing and I'm going to wear it because it will sustain my soul. It won't. I'm going to purchase... Uh, you know, an $8 million home in hopes that I'll be able to sustain my soul, it won't. It's from this world, and things of this world do not sustain the soul, which means things from this world do not directly allow our deen to grow, nor will it cause our hearts to be passionate about deen. That will only come from things that are heavenly. That's point number one. Okay, so the point number one again was that sustenance for the soul comes from heavenly sources, And created sources sustain the physical body. Okay, second point is that the soul becomes weak without nourishment. Okay, let me explain this to you from a physical standpoint. We said the soul and the body. We all know the body needs nourishment. Every single human being knows that you have to eat at least once in a day. If you don't eat once in a day, you will hurt your body. You know, at max, you could stretch it up for about a week. But if someone's on a hunger strike, for instance, they're not going to last more than a matter of two or three weeks. Eventually, they'll become ill, they'll become feeble, weak, and eventually, they'll just pass away and die. So, the body needs nourishment. Okay, the body needs nourishment via food, which comes from this world. The body also needs nourishment in the sense of it needs clothing, right? You can't not have clothing, you won't survive uh, the temperature, you won't survive the things that could attack you. You won't survive a vast majority of diseases if you're not covered up properly. Okay, the body requires um, a home to live in, right? A body requires shelter. So if a body goes without shelter for an extended period of time, it will suffer. So in the same way that the body requires nourishment and sustenance, the soul also does. And it becomes weak without nourishment. So that means that if we deprive our soul of those things that are heavenly for an extended period of time, the soul becomes sick and it becomes ill. And this is the state of most of us as we enter into Ramadan, right? In the month leading up to Ramadan, our souls are very weak. Very weak. They're barely hanging on. They're basically on a ventilator, right, in the intensive care unit. There's, it's as if they've been deprived, they haven't been fed. You know, they've been suffocated. Essentially, no Qur'an, or at least inconsistency with Qur'an, inconsistency with Asgar, inconsistency with good company, inconsistency when it comes to coming to the masjid, those things that are heavenly, inconsistent. Inconsistent with Saniya Salawat and the Prophet Wasallam, Inconsistent, right? So we, we, we perceive this. It becomes sick and it becomes ill. And if a person neglects everything heavenly for an extended period of time, that soul passes away. And that equates to leaving the fold of Islam altogether. Most people that leave this deen, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over an extended period of time. They deprive their soul. Now, the body has nothing to do with it. You could deprive your body and still stay in a state of iman. But if the soul is deprived, it passes away and that translates into losing iman altogether. And like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. So that's the most diseased state. You're so diseased that you pass away. So the second point, is that the soul becomes weak without nourishment, just like the body becomes weak without its nourishment. Okay, the third point. Oh, let me go back to the second one, I'm sorry. So the soul needs a continuous supply of nourishment, a continuous supply and a consistent supply of nourishment. Be it in the form of Qur'an, of dhikr, of coming to the masjid, of good company, and many other things that we'll talk about in the upcoming days. And it craves nourishment, meaning the soul, you can perceive when the soul is hungry. You can perceive when your soul is hungry. What are some of the symptoms of a hungry soul? Now, when a body is hungry, it's pretty straightforward. Your stomach begins to growl. You become irritable. Sometimes you feel lightheaded or hypoglycemic. Sometimes you uh, become agitated. Sometimes you become very fatigued. These are the symptoms of a hungry body. What are the symptoms of a hungry soul? Many fold. Many fold. One is uh, uh, a a sense of being perturbed. You feel very unsettled, very uneasy on the inside. Uh, Discontentment, never being content with anything. Um, Sadness, now there's a few reasons why you can be sad, but a predominant reason is when the soul is deprived, this is a symptom it manifests with. So you can perceive when the soul is deprived, it craves nourishment and it wants to be fed. And by feeding the soul, you alleviate many of these symptoms. Okay, so that was point number two. Point number three is that the soul requires the body as a vehicle. The soul requires the body as a vehicle. Now, this is very important to understand. Meaning, we're, we're highlighting the soul and how it needs to be nourished and how it predates the body and how it will separate the body when the angel of death takes it away. And we are highlighting how the soul will eventually wither and pass away if it's suffocated or if it's uh, deprived of its nourishment. But that doesn't mean that the body should not be given any attention either. And that's mainly because, namely because, the body is the vehicle for the soul. Meaning our soul is in our body for the period of time that we're in this world. So our body deserves a little bit of attention as well. So how is it a vehicle for the body? If I want to elevate my soul... By, for instance, doing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By, by, let's say, by reciting the Qur'an We know that Qur'an is heavenly It comes from uh, from the heavens And it is a means by which my soul will become elevated and nourished If I want to recite the Qur'an I have to use my body Because my tongue, which recites the Qur'an Is a part of my body So the body is a vehicle for the soul and it allows the soul to accomplish its goals. The soul will never be able to accomplish its goal without the body. It is its vehicle. If I want to uh, elevate my soul or nourish my soul through prayer, through salah, through salah, if I want to nourish my soul, what do I have to do? I have to stand up. I have to tie my hands. I have to raise them. I have to go into ruku. I have to go into sajda. All of these different aspects of Salah directly involve the body. The soul cannot perform Salah without the body. It requires the body. So in order for my soul to elevate through Salah it requires its vehicle which is the body. If I want to fast, which will elevate my soul, my body is what needs to be starved in order for me to be able to fast. I can't fast my soul without actually starving my body. Okay, if I want to give Zakat, which is a Uh, mandate of our deen that I give a portion of my wealth every single year. I calculate it out. Now wealth is what? It's something from this world, right? It's not heavenly. Wealth is from this world. It comes from this world. Currency, cash, bank accounts. It's from this world. Uh, Commodities. It's from this world. They're tangible things. Um, I would say Bitcoin, but I don't think it's that tangible. Um, They're tangible things from this world. So the... um, so in order for me to calculate my zakat, I have to use the vehicles that Allah SWT has given me, which is my body. So my mind to actually calculate the currency which comes from this world. And in order for me to give it to somebody, the recipient has to be a physical body. So uh, the list goes on. I mean, every single act of worship essentially requires the body, but and it's the soul that elevates, but it requires the body in order for it to be able to elevate itself. So the body can't be neglected either. So we give the body its due attention. We don't emphasize the body. We acknowledge the body. We keep the body healthy. We give it what it needs. We keep our focus on our souls. Because it's the soul that is hungry. So the key take-home point from today is that the sustenance of the soul comes from those things that are heavenly. In other words, those things come, come from the commanded world. Alamul amr Right? Allah Ta'ala says that min Amri Rabbi, that the Ruh is from the commanded world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said for it to occur and it occurred immediately, kun fayakun, the ruh comes from there. So all of those things that will sustain the ruh will be those things that are heavenly as well. And Importantly, the sustenance for the soul comes from heavenly sources, the soul becomes weak without regular and consistent nourishment, and the soul requires the body as its vehicle. So if we understand this principle, these principles that we've highlighted and outlined today, then the rest of the series will make sense. Why is it that all of these things that we're going to mention are going to be sort of the oxygen for the soul that allows the soul to grow and flourish? It's different than the body, it's distinct from the body, it predates the body, and it should be a point of emphasis for all of us. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to understand the subtleties uh, as elucidated in the Qur'an and through the teachings, through the, through the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to elevate our souls during these last few days in the night of Ramadan, and may Allah ta'ala uh, grant us the, the wisdom uh, to to uh, protect uh, our souls from those things that are harmful to it. Well, أخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين.